and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Are you overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed? You want life to be different, but you don't even know how to get there. Man, oh man, I lived there myself. And in my experience with working with thousands of people from all walks of life, there is one simple thing that holds so many of us back, a lack of time management. We may know what we want, but we often don't know how to get there and don't feel like we can add one more thing into our already busy day. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Action Planner. It's a 90-day inspired game plan that will give you total clarity on your greatest priorities and skyrocket your productivity on the tasks that matter most. And now, for a limited time, you can get your own copy for free. And when you go to denisewalsh.com slash action. Denise Walsh, D-E-N-I-S-E-W-A-L-S-H dot com slash action. A-C-T-I-O-N. Put your information in and we will send this action planner directly to your inbox so you can set your goals, reprioritize your calendar, and design your dream life today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. Our next guest is a yoga teacher who unites philosophy of yoga with modern day life as the basis of her teachings. Her realistic, grounded, and contemporary approach has made her a sought-after teacher in Netherlands and hosts annual retreats with her best friends and talented yoga teachers under the name of Yoga, Food, and Wine. Sounds fun to me. Let's give a big Dreamcast welcome to Carmena. Hi guys. Yay. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to connect with you because I know you weren't always into yoga and I want to hear a bit more about this passion that you've developed over the past few years. So what did, were you always into it? Tell me a bit more about life before. Okay. Yeah. That, that's exactly how you, how you mentioned it. Like people, the people that know me before my yoga days, they can't recognize me now. So, so there is the post and prior yoga experience, definitely. So it's quite simple. I moved to the Netherlands more than 12 years ago and I felt a little bit detached. And that's when yoga came into my life. Prior to that, I never thought I would be one of those people that actually goes to the studio or tries out new things. I was mentioning before that. I actually even skipped gym classes at the beginning of my high school. So I was never considered anything like, oh, super sporty. But yoga came into my life in the right exact moment when it had to happen. I moved here for love and then I found a bigger love with yoga. And I couldn't be happier that I can share now this passion with more people and just really following a path that I didn't even know it existed. So where did you live prior to the Netherlands? I was working on a cruise ship, funnily enough, and then there was one possibility to move here and find a job. And I moved with my boyfriend at the time, figuring out job opportunities, really, before my cruise ship times, when I was really traveling around the world without having any idea what to do with my life. I was working any type of jobs you can think of, from a waitress on a resort uh, to a person on the cruise ship. Also, I ended up in one of those agencies or small producer of lingerie. So any type of work you can think of, I kind of done it prior to me moving to the Netherlands. Okay. And when I moved to the Netherlands, I just 
swap completely. You were you were a nomad a little bit, traveling and working and doing a little bit of everything. You were on the cruise ship. But then when you got to the Netherlands, even though you went there for love, you said that you were a bit detached. What do you mean by that? It's a hostile place to come over. So you can imagine from living on a cruise ship and having sunny days and cocktails and just the fun and whatnot and moving in January here. The timing was just... I didn't have any friends and the only person that I knew was uh, my boyfriend at the time. So not many friends, not much of welcoming and warming conditions here because the weather is just not that sunny or at least in January, it wasn't that sunny. So I felt immediately not welcomed and I had to find a way to express myself and find my tribe really. It's funny how things come to your path and you go to one yoga class and you think that's my crew that's you don't even know who those people are you don't even know what they're chanting and maybe in the beginning you're thinking wow this seems like something i would never try but after the first class i immediately got hooked and i know it's cliche but that's how it happened with me so i kind of knew there was something deeper in that and i wanted to go back and back and back ah so you're really just trying to find your place to fit in your place to mm-hmm. have those with like minds or you could see people consistently and build those relationships do you have any idea why you chose yoga i think yoga chose me this is the funny thing is like it was one of the gym classes and i've never even went to gyms before like i just was trying to to your point to fit in I had a lot of time on my hands because I wasn't allowed to work in the Netherlands at the time. So I would have days and days, weeks without having a clear purpose of what to do. So the gym next door seemed like a good idea at the time. And I was checking out all the classes. I just ended up in one of the classes. And you fell in love with it. And so you kept going back. But it sounds like you became more than just a really good student. When did you decide that you wanted to become a teacher and how did that work? It's funny that you don't really know what what the universe has in store for you and you just follow a path of one class after another class after another class and I got so hooked that I was literally going every day uh, looking for someone to inspire me, looking for someone to be my mentor and I never had the intention of becoming a teacher or any guide to that matter but it just happened that I would lack the practice. So I would do it myself in the office at the time I already found a job and I was doing a practice downstairs in the gym. And there was a clear moment when someone asked me, oh, are you the yoga teacher? And prior to that, I never thought of myself being a yoga teacher or even becoming one. But when they ask you that question, you kind of start thinking, I might become one day. And um, they asked me, would you like to teach a class here? And to be honest, I started very organically asking people to join my practice. It was never intended to be, oh, I'll be a teacher now. It was just, I needed the practice for myself. People saw me doing poses that no one knew what they were called, including myself. And they'll just drag their mats and do some practice with me without even knowing what we were doing, to be honest. In the beginning of the practice, it was really, we had no clue what we were doing, let's be honest. <laughs> That's so it's true. It's true. It's, it's practice makes better. And then you become the expert after years of staying focused and actually doing it. But I love that people saw your passion. They saw your consistency. They saw you doing it. And then they thought, oh, we want to hang out with her. She seems like she knows what she's doing. And so they kind of asked you if you could teach them. And it sounds like it started to snowball from there. I'm very grateful to anyone that actually initially gave me that support to kind of, okay, trust my judgment that this thing helps me and 
it can help you too. And uh, it really started super organically. It was never intended to be like this big weekly classes. And now everything is uh, on the waiting list of the waiting list. And people are asking what's going on. But when it started, I was begging people from my, from my uh, colleagues to join me. So I remember clearly the same exact people that I was asking to come and join me right now don't have space for the classes. So it's funny how things work. And they're like, remember when you begged us to come and uh, practice and now there is no space for us so yeah things change and it's super yeah exactly Exactly. it's the universe way of telling you yeah you can continue doing what you love yeah you've you found a passion and you decided to make a business out of it but you still are working full-time so what do you do during your full-time job Currently, I have a great team in uh, Reebok Marketing for e-commerce uh, Europe. Super grateful that um, my job actually brought me closer together to a really, really good uh, yoga teachers as well as professionals in the field of marketing. And what we did together is a fun environment that we work. And I actually can't see myself not doing my full-time job because I get a lot of pleasure out of it. But next to it, I can combine it with it never was the case to be choosing, oh, you should quit your job and only pursue a career as a yoga teacher. Because I honestly think that what gives me the excitement of teaching is that I have a demanding job and I can relate to my students and I can totally understand when you're still thinking about your last email that you haven't sent to your boss or something like that. And you end up on the mat and it takes you longer to ground than to just basically breathe five times and you'll be already there. It's sometimes I can relate totally to my students and that really, really excites me because I talk to people in their own language. I barely ever use Sanskrit because I know how, when I started yoga, it should be inviting and it should be something that is fun to do. And it's not something that will make you feel like you don't belong. It should be inclusive. So what if it's your first yoga class? You're still welcome to join and so what if you can't do a headstand? I I invite everyone really to try out what, what it means to them and practice what is authentic. Now, you mentioned that before yoga, you felt detached. And then after yoga, you not only found your tribe, but you, you found a passion that you could grow outside of your J-O-B. But it sounds like you also felt attached. So tell me a little bit about the difference between the detachment and the attachment that you feel when you're practicing yoga. So the detachment is to not having any expectations what will come. And that takes a lot of time. And obviously, every yoga teacher speaks about it. But when you have to do it on the regular basis, it's way harder than it seems. We are so wired that we always have expectations. And we really, really struggle to detach from those. But things come the way they have to. And things come with time that only universe knows when they come. So maybe in the first few years, I would be really willing to be doing retreats, but it was not the right time for me to do those things. So it only later on, after five or six years of practicing, I found friends and people that could support me to do the really grounding work and to bring people outside of their normal environments and make it more as um, attaching to the outcome of providing service that is different, that is nothing. I, I can't see myself not doing what I'm doing right now. And and I know many people don't have it. And I know that some people say, oh, it's easy for you because you found your passion. Finding your passion is only halfway. Uh, you still need to put the work to choose that every day you practice or to choose that every day you put that as a priority over anything else. So that's the attachment to 
being persistent in what you're doing and consistent in putting the work, but also detaching yourself from the outcome because that's the only time that kind of dreams come true. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is so interesting. So I'm hearing detachment and attachment use two different ways, it seems like. So when you first came to the Netherlands, you were detached, meaning you didn't really have a connection with anyone. You didn't really have a connection with your purpose. And then you found your passions. You attached kind of to that. You're excited. You felt like you connected and it gave you a place to grow because you felt that spark again in your belly. You know, you felt that excitement again. And so the attachment to that excitement is fun. You know, you grow that, you attend that. And when you put a focus and attention onto that fire in your belly, it grows. But yet the detachment comes back full circle again when you're like, all right, I'm going to stay focused on my passion, but I'm not going to be attached to the outcome of what happens. I'm just going to trust the process. And so in this situation, you're putting your focus and attention back on your passion. You're excited about it, but yet you have loose expectations and you're just trusting the guidance that you're given, knowing that the how will show up when it's time. Totally. And the people that need to support you throughout that whole journey and process just show up. And it's amazing how when you really don't put too much pressure on yourself, things come your way. I would never imagine that all the great stuff that happened to me the past few years, all the good people I met off the mat, on the mat, around the mat, or anything to do with yoga is just beyond yeah, my wildest dreams because I did have a completely different idea of what my life will be in Holland and it turned out so much better. Hmm. It turned out so much better. And now you're doing retreats. Tell me about that. That's the most exciting part about it because we always speak about create lives that you don't need escape from. And we do have that, but it gives you an extra excitement when you have to be traveling some places new and trying cuisines and just sharing uh, what you've learned around yoga with your best friends and your students. So uh, myself and Laura, a very good friend of mine, we started this yoga food and wine three years ago. And we've done more than 14 retreats now. And every time we find that we're still excited in doing those. So we're going to Bali in less than a month and we're so thrilled because it's a dream of ours coming true. For three years, we've been speaking about, oh yeah, we should go and explore more continents and let's branch out uh, enough with Europe and Europe is great, but let's see more places. And um, actually it's happening. And yeah, we, we can't be happier about it. I've heard that the wine there is not that good. Maybe I'm wrong. So we call it nowadays uh, yoga food and coconuts. But if a wine is available, the only reason why we put the wine in the title is that we want people to know yoga can be also fun. And if you want to have a glass of wine, we won't stop you. It's not that we are promoting drink alcohol and practice yoga. That's exactly not what we are aiming. But what we want to say there is that fun is okay. And it's actually, you can get out of your practice way more if you're willing to explore and that you're not constrained by any ideas of how a yogi should look like or what they should be eating or drinking. Or it's just if you can breathe, you can do yoga. And that's the main message. And that's, I know how when I started practicing, I never even went to one retreat and now to host annual five retreats. It's just a dream come true. It's nothing less than that. That's amazing. So three years you've been dreaming to go to Bali. I <laughs> I see your event right right now. It says yoga, food, and coconuts. We are going to Bali. Yeah. Finally. 
true. It's true because if you see that they, I have colleagues here uh, that are sat next to me every day and they're like, is this the year that you're finally going there? And I'm like, yes, guys, because I've been talking about it for three years consecutively. And um, it seems like now all the stars are aligned and we're going for sure. Tickets are booked and everyone is welcome. So tell me a little bit about the learning curve over the last three years when you decided you wanted something, but it didn't come immediately. What were some of the growth areas or like aha moments or pivots you had to make over the past two years? Oh my God. Yeah. When I mentioned to you, knowing what your passion is, is really just the beginning of the journey, putting the hard work and choosing over so many other activities you can be doing. I consciously take the decision to be teaching after my work days and not going for dinners or I've missed so many birthday parties. I miss so many great other activities that I could be doing, but I consciously choose to be teaching and to improve my own skills to the point that I can get the chance to choose which classes I can teach. So it comes with a lot of consistency in what you're doing. I remember um, next to a 40-hour week, I would add eight hours of teaching yoga, which is insane nowadays because I only teach now three classes and I find that that's sufficient. But in the beginning, you say yes to any gig you can get your hands on. And I honestly think that's the only way to learn. I wasn't picky. I would be teaching... If anyone would ask me, can you come and do yoga with me? I would say yes. So that was the starting point. And then you learn so much more from your students that you can teach them at the beginning. Till the cards change and you see that, oh, actually what I have to say, it's valuable to so many. And even if it's to one person at the time, it's still super beneficial. So keeping it really consistent with not just your own practice, but teaching. I actually enjoy teaching more than practicing which for some yoga teachers is different. I know that when they start teaching more, they lack the practice or they they really miss the practice. And for me, it was the other way around. I just enjoy seeing people practicing and facilitating something beautiful. And I would consciously use my time teaching and finding out that everything comes with time and all the seeds you're planting, you really have no idea how they'll turn out. This whole relationship with my um, partner now at the time with Laura that we're doing the retreats, we worked together in the same yoga studio for a year before we met. So a year is a long time almost. (laughs) It's insane that everyone was saying, you should meet, you should meet. And we we just met when we had to meet, when we both had the same ideas that we should be bringing people outside and we should be doing things that just matter to us. And finding those people to surround yourself to support you takes time. And if you're patient about it, and if you're putting the hard work, people will notice. That's more or less what I've learned so far. And to be honest, every day is like some aha moment. And there is always a more opening and there is always something new to learn. So when you met your now business partner, was Bali the first place you decided to go to? So we went first to actually here in Holland. Uh, We brought people to Friesland for the first time. And it's very cold very cold place. It was in February uh, back three years ago. And uh, it was amazing because both of my students and her students, they just get along so well. And we were like, wow, this is amazing. And we should do this more often. And the second one was in Bulgaria, where we both are from. And to showcase your country to people that will usually not even choose that country to go on vacation, but they choose to come with you and they trust you that you'll be able to show them good time and that they will actually, most of them have some spiritual awakening, if that's the word to use, 
it's just beyond our wildest dreams, really. I think it's really fun to hear the journey because I hear Bali and I'm like, of course you're going to do yoga there. That sounds amazing. <laughs> the best retreats are in Bali and I expect to do one myself at some point, but it usually doesn't start there. It usually starts, all right, at, you know, a retreat center down the road. And then it grows to maybe a bigger city. And for you, it was going back home to Bulgaria and, and showing people your home country. And, and, and it's one step at a time. And now, three years later, you've got the clientele that are willing to invest. You've got the experience of holding workshops in multiple days. And you're going to Bali. But it wasn't something that just happened the first time. And I think so many times we've got these big dreams and we've got these big goals. And if it doesn't happen quickly, we can give up on them. But you and your friend said, no, 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 no. Like we know where we're going, but we're going to take it as it comes. And we're not going to feel discouraged by it not happening immediately. And the fear is one big deal. It's like we constantly know, oh, are we just afraid of doing this? Or is it really not the right timing? And there are always signals that uh, you can sense and you can see. And we're like, yeah, last year we weren't ready for Bali and we both knew it. And even though we spoke about it a lot and we were manifesting it a lot, that was not the right timing for both of us. And now it's like, okay, we're literally going like now is the time. And I think it's also a lot to do with gaining confidence that you can do it. Yeah. All the prior to this retreat teaches so much that we can take those learnings and implement them and holding space for people. It's a very, very important task. We don't take it lightly to your point that People trust our judgment of location, of food, even entertainment, if you wish. And it's always something so special happening that uh, we can't wait to, to see what this trip will bring us. We both know it's going to be transformative for us and for the students that chose to come with us. But usually just is beyond expectations. So, yeah. yeah, there's a learning curve with all this stuff. I just did my first full day personal development event Sunday, just a few days ago. And I know it's going to evolve into a two-day workshop. And I know we're going to end up doing dream life adventures where we go to Bali or Costa Rica or Disney cruises or whatever the case may be. But to start there seems like a bit overwhelming and a bit crazy and a bit, I don't know how to do that. So first, we started with a one day and then we can grow and develop over time. So uh, for me, anybody else that's interested in planning some of the stuff, do you have any tips for us? Location, location, location. <laughs> I know many people say it, but it's so true. We had our share of learnings in terms of, wow, if you have a good location and you know the owners of the house or retreat center, oh, it's so much easier to host anything. So we do invest a lot in relationship with whoever is the owner of the space that uh, we'll be renting because it's super important to feel at ease. And when you are at the ease at the place that you are hosting people, you really transmit that in energy. So we like to go to the same places each year because we establish that relationship with the people. So if you, I usually say, if I want to go in one place, I would like to bring my friends and that's how we go with location wise. If I'm not interested in going to some places, most likely other people won't be able to join me too. So it starts with location and then we always need to look at calendars because to your point with busy schedules and who is available when. Sometimes I'm doing also retreats not with Laura, but some other friends of mine because of availability. Let's say in May, we would like to go somewhere else. And uh, 
another teacher is available and they're in a space where I would not like to go, like in Sicily, and we go there too. So it's kind of, it, it feels right to know where it fits. So you look at your calendar and you say, okay, we'll be hosting three retreats this year where the weather is good. How does the calendar look like? And when can we really take the day off? Yeah. <laughs> the weather That's is really so- hilarious because I planned mine in January in Michigan. And I had to pray, 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 like dry, clear winter day. <laughs> and I, yeah, we had people fly in and drive in and it ended up being beautiful. But that's just something I didn't quite think about when I planned an event in January. In <laughs> but January seems like a perfect timing for new beginnings. Exactly. And I, I actually absolutely adore when we have to go in places in January, even if it's a little bit on the colder side of things, it's, it's still cozy. Well, it does. It, it gives that fresh slate for a new year. So tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about the importance of somebody taking a step out of their everyday life to attend mm-hmm. a retreat and be a part of an experience like this, because we know so much transformation happens when you're outside of your day-to-day. It goes back to the detachment. So we are habitual creatures. We really like to do things over and over again the same way. And once you're getting into a context of, wow, this is not my own house, or you kind of are more prepared to do things differently. Even if you do the same exact flow that you're doing in your yoga studio, it just feels different in a sense of you're more open for change. And what I find most fascinating is that you never know what type of people will come to your retreats and what type of conversations they will be uh, having. And every type of conversation is an eye-opener for most of the participants. So what we try to do is facilitate something that feels authentic. So if there is if there are not taboo teams. Like we speak about so many things, and when you are not surrounded with the things that you normally have to do or be reminded of your day-to-day life, it's so much easier to open up. Uh, nature is a big deal as well, meaning that most of us live and work in Amsterdam. And um, as much as we have a lots of green spaces and parks, it's not the same when you go for a hike for two days or when you can see a big lake or a mountain, because we miss the mountains here. So even the small two-hour hike, it's very, very transformative for every uh, every participant because you get that deeper connection with not just yourself, but with something bigger than you, which is nature. Not using your phone. Uh, it sounds funny, but it makes really your life so much better. Simple things. We do promote healthy living, but we do also promote those simple things that you can actually implement in your daily life. The sun salutation routine of 15 minutes every morning that you do on the retreat, you can definitely continue doing home. You don't need to per se go the other side of the world to do those things, but it does help you to start having habits that mean something to you. And if some of the things we show or some of the things we experience don't work for you, you're totally allowed to not do it. And um, that openness about, oh, whoever wants to wake up 6.30 to meditate can do it. And whoever wants to sleep longer can also do that. It's options. So people are given the chance to really get out of their normal routine, come back to things that we know works for us. And after they've experienced them, most of the people continue doing those things. And some people decide, 
okay, I need another retreat just to go back to the routine of being reminded how good it feels to be in your own body and in your own routine that is different from your wake up, go to work, come back and do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's something special about taking yourself out of those habits. When we're habitual like that, we kind of go through the motions and we're not really engaged. We, at least I know for me, it can be feel like a zombie a little bit, like going through the motions, driving to work, same way. But when you take yourself out of that, and especially when you surround yourself with beauty, you begin to feel more open in your heart. And I've learned even too, that you can have those new brain cells, you know what I mean? Where you just have those aha moments where you see the world differently and those 1% shifts that can really would take you in a whole new direction, even when you do come home. So one last question for you is you've got a very strong yoga practice, but you're also a businesswoman and you're a networker, meaning you're just meeting people all of the time. What is a entrepreneurial or like business skill that you do consistently that really helps you to stay balanced? Wow, that's a very good question. Actually, I've never thought about it. But um, being a communicator and just spending time with people is what I really enjoy doing, but having also some boundaries because I would gladly spend so much time with all my students after class and to make sure that, you know, they're facilitated and everything is going super smooth for them. And one quality that I need to still work on is putting boundaries when you say, okay, I can allocate one hour for this activity and then I need to move on to the next one. Otherwise you start getting overwhelmed because Yes, you can do it all, but not at the same time. So there is prioritization that needs to happen. And if you're clear on your kind of goal setting and you know that your intentions are pure, why are you doing it? And then it makes it so much easier for yourself to kind of do it all. Being able to support your family, being able to go to work, being able to be a good boss, being able to really have time for yourself as well. And then communicate with others that matter to you. So finding that time and prioritization is really a key. Mm. It's never easy, or at least I still haven't mastered it. And to be honest, I'm learning a lot still, but having that space to even think what, what's more important for me today is and having the time to reflect. Yeah. Yoga classes, yes, they are there and they will always be there. But what comes after, I always say the most exciting conversations are after yoga class and if you just stay open about, oh, this person can help me with that, or this person can help me with this, and connecting people that can actually work together well, I kind of have that, I wouldn't say a gift, but I kind of know who can help whom, and I connect them faster. And it's just amazing how people react to that. Yeah, I love that. Prioritizing. I mean, at the end of the day, we always say we can tell your priorities by your bank account and what you're spending money on and your calendar, what you're spending time on. And so taking a really good look at what you're spending time on and making sure that your priorities are getting scheduled on the calendar. And then you're sticking to it, right? So you've got your yoga times, you've got your work times, you've got your family times, and then really being in those times 100% and not thinking about all the other things, but being fully present. And then when that's over, you can go to the next one. And I do feel like that's exactly how you can have the best of both worlds because it has a spot on your calendar. And when you're there, you're 100% there. 
And to be honest, the other part was uh, not feeling, feeling guilty for rescheduling things. Oh my God, that's a big one for me. I know that most of my friends uh, will be, oh, you're canceling dinner again or something like that. Another friend of mine will say, on a good day, you're triple booked. How can you not manage your calendar better? And it's okay. I know that it's a skill and you work on it. The week has only seven days anyway. So that's not going to change. And then you start prioritizing. And if your friends understand that you have goals that they can support, I usually tell them, come and visit me after yoga. Then you see me for sure because you know where I am. It's not going to be a big secret where you can find me for coffee. Everyone knows where to find me. So that's how I kind of squeeze it all in. And it doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels like, okay, this is the natural way I'm doing my planning for the week. From Monday to Friday, from let's say eight to five, I'm in the office. I have lots of friends in the office and I'm more than happy to schedule lunches with them. After that is yoga time. That's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and being okay with that. And absolutely like, this is what I do. And this is how it goes. And I love it. So for yeah. somebody who's listening, who has never tried yoga before, what is one reason why you believe a new person should get started? I actually always say that I'm most excited when I have people that never tried yoga because yoga changes your life even if you don't want to. So <laughs> even if it's just a Try it out a lot of curiosity and see maybe there are so many styles that um, might not resonate with you, but you'll find one teacher that speaks your truth and then things will change in a way that you would not even imagine are possible. So it's not something that I believed in when I'm prior for me moving to the Netherlands. I was very skeptical. I would be always a completely different person from what you see me right now. And the fact that I know it worked for me, I cannot brag about the benefits of yoga more than just give it a try, stay open-minded. And even if you find that it's not your thing, it's already a finding. And maybe yoga will find you another time. Maybe you are already doing yoga by running or doing some other activities that give you this peace of mind. And that's okay. I'm not convinced that yoga is for absolutely everyone. But if you tried it and you've been open-minded about it and you just allow the process of changing you to happen, it's amazing. And if you choose not to, it's also great. So we can't, we can't keep, you know, oh, everyone should be doing yoga. But if you try it and it doesn't work for you, at least you know. And if the benefits come later on, you also know about it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it changes you even if you don't want to. That's what in the beginning of my practice, I for two years was thinking, it's just a physical practice and little than I know. It took more than two years to notice, okay, I'm way more open-minded. I'm way more uh, intuitive about things. Um, the gut feeling, the, the things that tell you, oh, this is not the right path for you. The way you feel in your body is usually just telling you some things you need to change in your life too. And you don't have to be 24-7 on the yoga mat to acquire those qualities, but it does help me to know the things. So Yeah, quiet yeah. your mind down. Again, it's that giving you that brain space to just oh, yeah. breathe a minute <laughs> and and allowing your thoughts to calm down. I do hot yoga randomly. So I'm not like super, it's not every week. I try every week to do it, but I do a lot of other exercise as well. But the, the times that I'm in hot yoga, number one, I'm sweating, but number two, your thoughts just have a chance to calm down and your heart, if you're anxious or stressed, has a chance to calm down. And even just your body releasing 
and your mind slowing down has so many amazing benefits that will help you throughout the rest of your week. And I think that's when you say, oh, I'm more connected to myself now. I'm not I'm not thinking about all this other stuff that's outside. I can listen to my body a little bit more. I can actually pay attention to myself because I am slowed down enough to do so. Yeah, yeah. But well, you described it so well. <laughs> and it, it helps it helps people. I, I usually say I see things in 25 dimensions after yoga class. It's it's you're so yeah, you're so present and you're, it's undescribable. I, I can't describe it. It's, it's a feeling that you, you get, I, yeah, you get it only after a good uh, session or even if, uh, even if you give yourself five minutes of meditation is the same exact effect, but more often we need that workout kind of asana practice before we can switch off. And even if it's for a second, we reset. And even if it doesn't happen, at least we are aware how busy is in our minds. And most people are not even aware of that. I'm even tapping into just be aware that a lot is going on and accept that. And then the change will come after. So it's seeing beyond the surface. Have you ever done yoga with your staff at work? Like for lunch yes. and things? Does that help at the office? So that's the funny thing. When we started here, it was only colleagues and then it will be more departments and more departments coming and joining. And uh, yeah, I mean, the benefits that you're more focused and everyone is a little bit nicer to each other. We always say it, but we, it really is the case. Right now, we don't have too many facilities that can do fit all the yoga mats that we have. But in the beginning, we would have a um, group of five to seven people that will be my immediate team members. And uh, it grew so much now that we need to have more yoga teachers. So I'm super happy to see Lots of my friends that started yoga practice with me are now yoga teachers themselves and come back to the office and give back to us saying, hey, this is what I've learned in my previous uh, retreat. And I would like to show you a yoga nidra or something new that we we haven't seen before. It's just a beautiful way to showcase that, yeah, you can learn something and you can actually teach it back to the same people that you started practicing with. Yeah, it's amazing. It's actually it gives me goosebumps and I, I get very emotional when I start speaking about yoga and because it's it's legit. It's something that it, it does move me every day. And if more people do it, it will be amazing. But if people find something that moves them that way, it's also great. So it doesn't need to be yoga, basically, but whatever makes you happy and whatever makes you really present and passionate about your purpose, it's it's great. Yeah. Well, everyone wants to find that thing that lights them up inside. And I love that you found it and then you continued to cultivate it. You became a teacher, you're doing retreat, you're giving back not only to the community, but also to your work and your business and you're helping people right where you are, be more connected to themselves and, and to grow in this way. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You guys, you can find out more at youryoga.eu and then also the Facebook and Instagram links will be in the show notes below. So thank you so much, Kramina, for sharing your passion with yoga with us today. And I'm excited as you continue to grow in this way and, and give back to the world. It's just something that so many people need. Thank you, Denise, for having me. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I 
want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.